1: So, grains closing mostly higher today, except for Kansas City wheat, trying to put last week's long term support areas in the rearview mirror. But is the market forming lows? And crude oil puts in a solid performance, helping out the grain sector. Cattle disappoint after a neutral cattle on feed report, while hogs and mix still digging out from the recent storms.
2: Live! Don't say cookie. Don't say cookie. Don't say cookie. Via Farm Journal Broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we begin with a conversation with Alan Brugler from Brugler Marketing. Later, Carrie Tech from com, And directly following the news, Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. I'm a handsome newsman, Davis Michelson. And now, filling in for Chip, welcome Michelle
1: Rook. Thank you so much, Davis, and Hello. good Monday afternoon.
2: It is a good Monday afternoon. I think
1: it is the weather is fantastic today after being in the deep freeze like minus yeah. eighteen the other morning. Yeah. I'll take this any day.
2: Now you're up um are you north of the I ninety line where you're at? Or are you yes, just I right am. on
1: the I-90 line? I am between if I'm between Brookings and Watertown, if you know okay. that geography, but about seventy miles north of Sioux Falls.
2: So north okay, good. Because we heard from Rochester, Minnesota. The last couple of days, people have really been talking it up that there's kind of a like a northern tropical Midwestern paradise developing there.
1: Does that reach
2: out into your area as well? Or are you outside of the northern tropical zone?
1: Well, yesterday it was again below zero, but today we're up in the upper 20s. And so it feels like balmy outside. I'm telling (laughs) you after this weekend.
2: Did you guys uh, get to have some of that lovely ice that we talked about in this morning's show?
1: no we did not get the ice um but we have plenty of ice out on the lake and we're finally seeing ice fishing so
2: that's excellent
1: yeah a lot of people are happy about that for sure yeah yeah well who you
2: got for us today
1: Well, Ellen Brugler, Brugler Marketing and Management at Omaha, Nebraska, is going to be joining us. always love visiting with him. He is so knowledgeable about A to Z, so he'll be up with us today as well. But why don't you kick us off with the news, Davis?
2: Sure thing. Well, winter wheat futures worked to secure a fourth consecutive positive close, but pressure on hard red wheat broke the streak. Beneficial precipitation, mostly in the form of rain, will occur today through Friday in eastern and southern production areas of the Plains. Much of this is expected to miss western Nebraska, northern Colorado, and northwestern Kansas. And that part of the region will continue to need greater moisture for spring, that according to world weather. USDA reported export inspections of nearly 315,000 metric tons. That's up from the previous week and within the range of expectations. March HRW wheat futures fell one cent to 607. March soft red wheat gained three and one quarter cents to 596 and a half. March spring wheat closed a nickel higher, seven dollars and one quarter cent. I don't know how significant technically it is, but it feels like psychologically that close above seven bucks in the March spring wheat feels like a good sign.
1: Yeah, and probably a bounce because remember we scored new contract lows last week, and then both Casey and Minneapolis wheat, which scored new contract lows Wednesday, scored reversals. So hopefully we're building on that. Maybe we can put those lows behind us.
2: Well, Michelle, corn futures pivoted around unchanged, that's despite supportive outside markets. World Weather Inc. expects near-term net drying in Argentina, but not enough to trim production potential just yet. As of last Thursday, 4.9% of Brazil's Safrina corn crop area had been planted. This according to AgRural, that's ahead of 1% planted at the same time last year usda reported export inspections of 713,000 metric tons michelle that was down from the previous week but within the pre-report trade of expectations uh range of trade expectations march corn futures firmed one quarter of one cent to 445 and three quarters may corn also up one quarter of one cent to 456 and a quarter july corn futures closed to 464 and three quarters that's up a whole half cent michelle
1: Yeah, it seemed like kind of a lackluster day. You had soybeans higher, you had crude oil, sharply higher, and corn. Boy, we didn't get much of a bounce here. It was a little disappointing overall.
2: Yeah, agreed. Well, soybean oil moved higher with crude oil in today's trade, lending soybean futures a decent lift to open the week. Buyer interest was somewhat limited by pressure on soybean meal and overhead technical resistance. Brazil's soybean harvest advanced to 6% complete as of last Thursday, according to AgRural. Meanwhile, World Weather Inc. says most of Brazil will see rain during the next 10 days, with heavy rain possible in some areas. USDA reported export inspections of 1.16 million metric tons. That's actually down from the previous week, but remained within the pre-report range of estimates. March beans gained 11 cents today, 12.24 and a quarter. May beans firmed a dime to 12. Uh, Thirty-three. July beans closed at twelve forty-one and a quarter. That's up nine and one quarter cents today. Talking about those outside markets. Your front month February crude oil up a buck sixty seventy-five oh one today. Michelle.
1: Yeah, it looked like soybean oil was trying to follow crude oil. Um, We will see if you know soybean oil had a big significant correction here now and can continue to move higher. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that with Alan. Plus, whether we're putting the lows behind us in this market as well. Awesome. Well, March
2: cotton firmed 88 points today to 84.83. Let's hit these livestock markets quickly. Nearby live cattle faced moderate pressure amid weakening wholesale values. And as traders await last week's average cash cattle price, Friday's cattle on feed report did little to move the market one way or the other. February live cattle slipped 60 cents, 173.77 and one half. March feeders down sixty seven and a half cents to two thirty one twenty seven and a half, although deferred feeder contracts did manage a positive close. And on the snout side, lower cutout values and a mild rise. And the cash market had lean hogs mixed by the end of the day's trade today. Feb hogs 17 and a half higher, 70.92.5. and a half. April down fifty-two and a half, seventy-seven, sixty-two and one half. Michelle, over to you.
1: Well, thanks so much, Davis. And we bring in Jack Scoville Price Futures Group with our price action for the day. And Uh, Jack, we actually ended up here in both soybeans and corn. Are we trying to put lows in the rearview mirror or not?
3: Well, we're trying. Uh, We'll see how successful we are. There's really been very little news, and that's kind of accounted for the sideways price action in through here. And um, no news is no news. But um, I kind of like the price action overall. I wish it would get up and get going, but it's gonna. it feels like it's going to take kind of a trigger to kind of get that going. So far, we haven't found that trigger yet.
1: What is that trigger that you think might do that? What are you looking for?
3: Well, uh, two things could, could trigger it. Uh, first would be uh, lower than expected crop estimates out of Brazil, which would be somewhere below 150 million tons, I think. And that could happen. Um, I've, I've heard estimates uh, well into the 140s, in fact, uh, so uh, and from people I trust. So I, I think that, that there is a potential for that to happen. Um, the other thing, of course, would be uh, an uptick in demand, especially from China, for corn or soybeans or both. And uh, China's been buying right along, but still mostly buying from South America. From South America and that they're buying from here as well but uh, at reduced rates and if we can see that pick up then I think that that would be a really good sign and we would really start picking up.
1: Yeah Uh, just quick cattle seemed a little disappointing considering the neutral cattle on feed report was that just the lack of cash or what?
3: Yeah I think so and uh, plus we're kind of getting past the the coldest weather here so a lot of the stress kind of leaving the cattle market as well.
1: Alright, thanks so much for joining us, Jack Scoville with Price Futures Group. Uh, we are going to be back, Alan Brugler, Brugler Marketing is joining us, our guest analysis today. We'll be back with more talk coming up.
4: To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything.
2: On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, Agritalk is live every weekday.
1: Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Michelle Rook in for Chip Glory. Well, always a pleasure to have Alan Brugler, Brugler Marketing, uh, joining us with uh, analysis and commentary today. And Alan, uh, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure.
1: I want to start talking about, uh, first of all, obviously the big question after the January reports and kind of the action that we had last week was, you know, we held some long-term support areas in corn and in soybeans. And now that we've got our hangover maybe behind us in terms of the January reports, are those long-term lows going to hold? Are we trying to put in bottoms in both corn and soybeans?
0: I I think we're trying to put in bottoms in both. You've got uh, again, very oversold technical conditions. Uh, one of the things I'm watching pretty closely. There's a 100-month moving average on the corn. That's at uh, 456. We're, we've been below it. Obviously, we got into the 440s last week. But this is uh, a monthly chart, and it's it's not a breakout to the downside unless you you are still there at the end of the month. So. I think we've got a few days here to to uh, push it around and see if the if we get some short covering into month end. You know, asset allocators who made money by being short all month may may do a little buying into month end. Uh, the other thing I've noticed is open interest has been going up quite a bit in corn. Uh, that tells me there's some corn moving in the country, and that's been one of the limiting factors. Uh, the, there hasn't been any sell paper for the funds to buy against, and if that's starting to change, then It's a different dynamic for the market, technically.
1: I've had some people say, though, open interest going up in corn means that we have new selling, new funds selling. Is that true as well?
0: Well, by definition, if you've got an increase in open interest, you have a new buyer and a new seller. Uh, the way we gauge that is what happened to the price while those things were happening. So for example, if open interest is up 10,000 contracts today, but the market's up three, we'd assume that the buyers were more interested in getting in than the sellers were in selling. Uh, that's net new buying. But conversely, if open interest is up 10,000, but the market's down a couple cents, uh, that's that's probably hedge pressure, net new selling. The funds didn't want to be in very badly.
1: Yeah. The funds now short, of course- according to the commitment of traders report what 260,000 plus contracts they increased that as of last Tuesday that's not a record short so how much shorter will they go in this market do you think
0: uh as you point out it's not a record short uh bill cosby has a had a routine back in the day uh, don't ever challenge worse it was a <laughs> uh about losing money at the casinos in las vegas uh, but it's similar uh, to the to the ag markets okay if if it can always get worse wheat's a poster child for that and, you know uh it just keeps going down and down and down until it's 99.9 uh, percent oversold you know uh so it certainly could get worse but you know we're at a at a level that has held the corn market for four or five months now that that 455 456 area for front month futures you know, dropping into the 440s, basically told the Chinese or anybody else who needed to buy corn, Mexico, perhaps, uh, hey, it's on sale today. This is a good time to pick up a little bit more. I think the same thing happened in beans. You, you did see the China buy some that got announced under the uh, daily reporting system uh, last week. Beans just got cheap enough finally to be of interest to them.
1: Yeah. I want to ask you about that soybean sale to China last week, almost 11 million bushels. And it was kind of surprising because Brazil soybean prices are so much cheaper than the United States. What did you make of that sale?
0: I think it's mostly logistics. You, you've got, uh, they've got to hedge their bets a little bit on, on where you are getting the stuff from. If you, <clears throat> you can't get, a, uh, rely a hundred percent on shipments out of Brazil uh, just because of the volumes that they're doing. I thought it was interesting that, uh, and, and right now, of course, is a low spot in, in Brazilian availability. Yes, the price quotes are down, but that's mostly for deferred shipment as the new crop comes out of the field. We know they've only harvested four or 5% of their beans so far. Actually, uh, a lot of the beans are still in vegetative or, or pod, you know, flowering and pod set. People forget that and because you see the harvesting uh, videos, but a lot of the crop is not mature yet. Uh, I did notice that uh, oh. China's statistics put out their their final numbers for last year, and out of the yeah. 99 million tons they imported, 69 th- million came from Brazil.
1: Yeah, in the U.S., actually, our share went down, did it not?
0: Yeah, our market share went down. It was only 24 million tons. So that's that's what you're going to get when Brazil has a record crop. Uh, this year, Brazil's crop's going to be down, obviously, but uh, Argentina's uh, could potentially be more than double last year's drought depressed uh, production and offset a lot of the Brazilian losses.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So, fund position in the soybean market, they've actually pushed shorter now, almost 77,000 contracts short in that market. Do they keep pushing short, or did last week's reversals kind of change that, you think?
0: Uh, i think it's too early to tell uh, it, the market's trying to stabilize here you really don't have a, a compelling reason to go down down other than uh, you know trying to find support technically uh, we've got some pretty good support on the march at 1205 and three quarters that's 78 percent fibonacci retracement 78.6 uh stochastics are, are trying to give you a buy signal there so it's a plausible place to stop and and bounce Again, the funds are going to take positions based on where the liquidity is and where, where the story is. If you get a big move going in bean oil, that'll help. If you stop the erosion or slow down the erosion in meal, that'll help.
1: But that isn't likely with Argentina coming on with such a big crop, right?
0: Uh, yeah, the meal meal's going to be the problem all year. I think uh, not. Not saying we have to continue to go down all year, but the the problem is we're adding uh, crush capacity because we want the the veg oil, and uh, you know we've we put two new plants online back in November. You got uh, I think eleven more that are under construction for completion sometime between now and the end of twenty twenty six you're going to be creating a lot of meal that isn't necessarily needed in the United States. Uh, Argentina, in the shorter term, yeah, Argentina was running low on beans, but the uh, uh, new president there, Malay, changed uh, the tax structure a little bit and, uh, tried, and is pushing really hard to get exports of, of both beans and products because he needs U.S. dollars.
1: I'm glad you brought up bean oil because I've been curious. We had this sell-off like the last quarter of 2023 in that bean oil market drop below 50 cents, which has been surprising with what you just said about the crush record crush. And the fact that we have more processing coming online, what happened end of year. And now are we starting to see things turn around?
0: Well, today at least it looked like that. I, I think, uh, you know there's several things going on bean oil you've got uh, the inclusion rate dropped we were actually using less bean oil for renewable biodiesel production you were you're seeing a little more yellow grease you were seeing some more corn oil some other alternative stocks because at 72 cents bean oil was expensive Uh, palm oil's gotten uh, more expensive recently that's helped uh, but the the story today was that uh, Phillips 66 has a big renewable uh, diesel refinery coming online out in Rodale, California and they got some environmental Im- approvals that they needed to get that thing ramped up and online. So you know that's that they were they're set up apparently to use bean oil primarily so that was that got the bean oil market excited when when those approvals news hit.
1: Bean oil is lagging though compared to palm oil. So when will bean oil start to catch up to palm oil prices, or will it?
0: Well, I, I, again, it's going to it's going to depend on on that industrial use. We're out of the export market for bean oil for all intents and purposes. These re, these renewable diesel plants can outbid any exporter for bean oil. So you're going to keep almost all the bean oil at home. Uh, it is somewhat uh, the demand somewhat contingent on the subsidy levels, the the carb credits out of California and so forth. but uh, yeah, I think you, you'll see uh, as bean oil stocks get tighter and you get uh, you know some more processing demand online and perhaps if you get a little rally in crude or diesel seasonally after February, that'll tend to to uh, boost the, the consumption too.
1: Well, these bean oil values look to be, Add a value to me if you're a
0: processor. Yeah, well, forty-four cents is your chart support, uh, and you know we're we pop back up over forty-eight today. But uh, yeah, we're at a reasonable place to to bottom. Just just as we've talked about with the with the corn and the beans, and, and it's just can you actually tip the tip the snowball the other way? Can you get the funds starting to want to get out of those short positions? Can you get the the end users uh, to start committing to more longs and and be accompanied by spec buying.
1: Yeah, and this may be a question that we're going to have to start and then end after the break. But China's economy faltering is that also weighing on the meal market?
0: Uh, it is, although I'd argue it's not specifically the Chinese economy. It's the it's the hog herd liquidation in particular. Okay. They had that, that's somewhat tied to the economy, but it's also tied to uh, they just overexpanded for what the what the consumption was but the the point is with the fewer hogs you don't need as much meal or as much imported corn either
1: well it's been interesting there's a little disconnect there when you see china still buying corn we'll be back with more agritalk coming up
2: let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes Where March hard red winter wheat futures fell one cent to 6.07, March soft red wheat gained three and one quarter cents to 5.96 and one half. March corn futures firmed one quarter of one cent to 4.45 and three quarters. May corn also up one quarter of one cent, 4.56 and one quarter at the close. March soybean futures gained 11 cents to 12.24 and one quarter. May beans firmed a dime, 12.33 at the close. March cotton firmed 88 points today to 84, 83. On your livestock, February fat cattle slipped 60 cents to 173.77 and one half. March feeder futures fell 67 and one half cents to 231.27 and one half. February lean hog futures 17 and a half higher, 1792 and one half. Get more market news every market day, ProFarmer.com.
4: To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything.
2: Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory.
1: Well, Well, welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm in for Chip Flory today. I'm Michelle Rook. Uh, Joining us, Alan Brugler with Brugler Marketing. And before the break, um, kind of the theme that we had going on, Alan, was talking about whether the lows were behind us in both corn and soybeans. And I guess the same question is in the back of my mind about wheat. So we had new contract lows in both Kansas City and Minneapolis wheat last week, and then Thursday kind of scored some reversals. You know, is that market putting the lows in the rearview mirror there too or not?
0: I'm always cautious to to call low and wheat. Many have died trying to uh, put, put one in here. Uh, and, and today's action, you know, Minneapolis is still trying to get back seven bucks here, and uh, had a little positive action today, but again, not enough of a rally to really tell us anything. I think if you're looking at the that March contract for Minneapolis, the 40-day average it is up around seven sixteen. That that's a bigger number to me, a more important than number. If we can take that out, I, I think you got a little more, uh, from a technical standpoint, a little more reason for a rally. Fundamentally, the the thing that's most disturbing is USDA showed us less winter wheat acreage than expected, right? And the market didn't really react to that. It didn't. Uh, it didn't say, "Oh, wow, we can we got to bid up this stuff now." It was kind of like, "Well, tell me something uh, exciting."
1: Yeah, but is that because the idea or I guess maybe the thought process of the market is that winter wheat conditions are much better than a year ago and we're going to make up for that with better yields?
0: Uh, That's probably in the background somewhere. I I think, yes, conditions were better going into dormancy. Uh, You know, there was a little talk about winter kill with the, the 20 below zero temps and so forth. But if you look at the maps, most of the crop should have been under snow cover when that was affected by those kind of temperatures. Uh, the The bigger problem, I think, is just the global environment right now. You know, Russia's Russia's pretty much pricing wheat to sell. Uh, they got most of that last Egyptian tender again. Uh, it looked for a while like they were trying to walk prices higher. Now that it looks like they're more trying to keep them stable. Uh, you know, you get Russia out of the market, that would help. Uh, in, Create more opportunities for the U.S. I think uh, the the Russians have had some weather issues with really, really, really cold temperatures in some of those growing areas. But again, we don't have particularly good data on on snow cover or and won't won't know till spring on green up how much damage was done. the uh, the The bullish story to me on wheat is simply that uh, the world stocks usage ratio, based on what WASD told us last. Uh, last week or a week and a half ago, is, is supposed to be the tightest uh since oh seven, oh eight by the time we get to the end of May. And uh that would argue for uh, prices this high or higher at least. Uh you know, you have to remember that we, we got conditioned by those $13 prices in 2022 to think uh things that should be higher indefinitely. But I, I think the my point is that uh the world production is focused mostly in the Northern hemisphere for wheat. Okay. It's Canada, it's US, it's it's EU, it's Russia, and there's much smaller production south of the equator. So the peak supply for the entire world is in that July, August, September period, and then kind of goes down from there. And uh, as that As we get closer to those tight stocks usage ratios that USDA is seeing for year end, I think the US will be in a position to benefit more than we have so far.
1: Yeah. Well, demand has been a bit of an issue for wheat. It's been an issue for soybeans. Corn's been getting a little bit better on the export front. But is it really just a lack of demand or is this shipping and logistic issues or is it a combination?
0: Well, the shipping is not helping anything, that's for sure, Uh, particularly. the U S is suffering probably the most from that simply because of the Panama canal. Okay. If you look at uh, our main buyers and, you know, whether that's Japan or South Korea or Taiwan or China, uh, they're, they're all, uh, right now, very dependent on the PNW and we only have limited shipping capacity out of the PNW. Uh, normally we'd run stuff out of the Gulf. You know, we have a, a nice cheap river system to get grain down to the Gulf. Then we'd send it through the Panama Canal. Uh, Panama Canal shipping is way way down, and right. it's extremely expensive for the U.S. for a a grain shipper to uh, pay the auction uh, premiums to to run grain through there when an LNG tanker can afford it a lot better. So, uh, yeah, I think you're you're seeing some discounts in the FOB prices, and that's being passed back upriver uh, just because of freight.
1: You bet. Okay, so bigger picture, stock market, S&P making new highs. Talk about what this means for money flow and what it's been meaning in terms of, you know, the lack of, I guess, interest for the funds to really want to own commodities.
0: Well, you know, there's a certain amount of hot money and it's it's got a trillion dollar figure on it, I think, that is going where, where things are moving. Okay? And it would, it would in general, rather be long something than short something. Not everybody understands that you can make money on the short side, uh, you know, if you're talking about the overall investing community. So, if the stock market's making new highs, uh, or at least coming up on new highs, there's a lot of interest in putting, the, putting any discretionary money there rather than in a commodity that uh, the funds are already short and that, that's leaking lower. And that's been the case for a lot of the ags. So you know you've been sucking money away from uh commodities towards the equities i think uh back in november and december we were getting more interest in bonds and, and interest rate instruments that kind of backed off because uh, it looked like the fed fed rate cuts if any are going to be later in the year than what people were hoping but uh, again uh, the The money it's been attractive to put money into equities. You had huge percentage gains for the year in your four hundred one k or your IRA or whatever you had invested. Uh, the other part of that equation is inflation has slowed down. You know, you know, when inflation's running up, then people tend to want to own commodities. They tend to, right. to keep up with inflation.
1: Is the market getting ahead of itself on these interest rate cuts?
0: Well, I think it definitely did. Uh, you 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 uh you were pricing in the first fed rate cut in march in my opinion that was never going to happen but you could see that in the in the spreads and in the the treasury futures uh you what you've got now is kind of backtracking and saying well certain parts of the inflation haven't slowed down as much as expected notably the service economy uh you you've got uh you know you still got quite a bit of money floating around out there the the thing that you also have to remember is some of the big wage deals like the united auto workers those are those are not fully in place you know those are multi year deals they're, they're they've got a little wage inflation built into them and uh, so it's going to be a little harder to kill it off i think than some people anticipated goods and services or uh, yeah goods and services uh, are that situations improved you do have uh you know, food and energy are excluded from the 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 inflation indicators the Fed looks at because they're so volatile. Uh, but obviously, you know, if crude's ramping up because of the Mideast East situation, that's that's inflationary pressure. It's not going to be something the Fed is probably going to react to, but it's still there.
1: Yeah, maybe that'll bring a little money back into the commodity sector. Maybe.
0: And it, it's it's a it's a, a variable you have to keep an eye on.
1: Right. Okay. Cattle market. Let's talk about that one. Um, Cattle on feed report was pretty neutral. 102 on feed. The placement number was down about four and a half percent, right in line with the trade guesses. But yet, I don't know. I didn't think we had the best response to the market in the market today. So was that because of the lack of cash news or profit taking? What was going on there today? Well,
0: you had an initial attempt to push it lower on this morning. I think, uh, you know, you'd I'm looking at an April chart here. It it uh, sold off and then came back later in the day, so you end up with a little bit of a, a hanging man candlestick there. But the, the 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 issue with cattle is is pretty much the same one we've been dealing with for a while. We know we're downsizing the herd. the the heifer data, the heifers on feed data actually showed a slightly lower percentage of heifers in the in the feedlot mix than we had in the last quarterly report. Uh, but that's because we ended up with a few more steers in there. I think there's no question that the the feeder numbers are still dropping pretty sharply. Uh, we know that uh, the calf crop at the end of the uh, end of the month when USGA does their cattle inventory that's going to be down. You know, so the the long term bull story is still there of downsizing the herd and 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 having scarcer number of calves and, and feeders. We kind of uh, got ahead of ourselves in 2023. Because we didn't anticipate as many heifers going into the feedlot as we got, thereby supplementing the supply, that won't be the case in 24, I don't think. So um, that said, uh, it's hard to duplicate the kind of bull market we had in 2023, where the funds just come in and and uh, put the pedal to the metal and and you run it up 40 or 50 bucks. Uh, what you're, you, I think you'll get an echo rally here, but. It, I, at this point, still have doubts we can get all the way back to last year's highs, even though the cattle cycle is still tightening.
1: That heifer data that you talk about in the report actually does confirm that we're not really retaining heifers and putting them back in to rebuild the herd, though, doesn't it?
0: That's correct. We're still downsizing. And you're going to, and actually cow slaughter, while it slowed down a little bit, was still a second or third largest Uh so that also argues towards the the herd being smaller in that cattle inventory report. Again, cattle cycle is still in the down phase. It's still in the liquidation phase. That means tighter numbers to come. But uh, uh, we know f- that cattle cycle has been going on for 200 mm-hmm. years, and it's it's not. While you'd think conceptually, the the, the cat the beef price the, the live cattle price would be highest after. Uh, the short, the, the lowest feeder numbers. That's not always the case. The market okay. anticipates.
1: Yeah, and hopefully weights will start coming down here as well. That would certainly help the market out. All right, Alan, a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much.
0: My pleasure. Oh, well, talk All to right, you next Al, time.
1: You bet, Alan Brugler with Brugler Marketing. Uh, we will be back with some chart action with Carrie Artek coming up on AgriTalk.
2: I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at eight five five four talk ag and tell us what's on your mind.
1: Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Michelle Rook and for vacationing chip flooring, a much-needed and deserved vacation at that. Well, it's the time of day and the day that we talked to Kerry Artec with Artek Advisory. He's joining us with Chart Perspective, and we've been talking a lot about charts here today. Kerry, what charts are you going to be analyzing for us today?
6: Thanks, Michelle. I'm going to start with March corn. Three weeks ago, uh, we settled below a significant floor of support that is now above the market at 460.25. We're trading around 445 and three-quarter last 460.25 460.25 is our ceiling into spring and below which we are in the midst of a 2 to 3 month sell signal expecting 412 and a quarter over that time horizon. Now on the way down over the last couple of weeks the market has been bottoming out at a nearer term channel bottom that this week is at 435.75. And given the fact that we've tested this area, last week it was around four thirty-seven, given the fact that we've been testing this area for the last couple of weeks, we can rally back to four sixteen a quarter, possibly, over the next two or three weeks, where the market can top out into spring. And as I say, four twelve and a quarter remains a two to three month downside target. Now downside this week, if we do settle the week Friday below 435.75, I would expect that targeted 412 and a quarter within about two to three weeks where we can bottom out into spring trade. And at that point we'll just see how the fundamentals play out with respect to crop conditions, et cetera, et cetera. Upside, if we settle back above 416 and a quarter at the end of the week, which I don't expect this week, but if we did over the next couple of weeks, I see about a two to three week rally to four eighty-nine half. And that is a level that can contain monthly buying pressures. And four eighty-nine half is our aggressive upward pivot point as we move through February and into March. If over the next three to five weeks, let's say we can close above four eighty-nine half, then I'm expecting five twenty-five even uh within probably two to three months where we could top out actually into summer activity. But for right now Heavy below 416 and a quarter, expecting 412 and a quarter over the next two to three months. On to lean hogs. We are rolling this week from February to April. There's a big difference in price between the February and April contract. 70 handle in the February contract, 77 handle in April. April finds meaningful resistance presently at 78 and a quarter. 78 and a quarter can contain buying in the April contract through February, and over the next two to three months. The uh, April contract can fall back to 73 and a quarter, where it can bottom out into expiration. But if we can close the week Friday in the April lean hogs above 78 and a quarter, I see that as a meaningful sign of strength as we move through February, then expecting 82.75 within about three to five weeks. At 82.75, the April contract can top out into expiration and is also a significant upward pivot point into summer trade if we can close above 82.75. But first, we've got to close above 78.25. That is a big pivot point for the lean hog market as we move through the rest of winter, below which 73.25 likely over the next two to three months. And if once again, if we can close above 78.25 on Friday, 82.75 likely by the end of February. And finally, I thought I would talk about the March S&P, I'm sorry, the S&P 500 index itself. This is the index, and you know how the stock market can impact the broader commodity of futures markets. Uh, I do have a significant ceiling of resistance that I've been expecting now for the last several months at 4902. That is a 16-month rising channel top. We're presently trading around 4850 last in the S&P 500 index. 4,902 is likely over the next week or two at the most. At 4,902, and this is a rising channel top, so it's a little higher next week, we can top out through the second quarter and from 4,902 fall all the way back into the 44, 4,500 handle over the following three to five months. But if we can close the week Friday above 4,902, then we've got a significant show of strength as we move into later year. I would expect over the following five to eight months, 5864 and rising. That is a four-year rising channel top that I think is a realistic objective in the third fourth quarter of this year if the S&P 500 index can settle the week above 4902. Until then, we are getting into overbought territory. We're just below 4902 and from here this market can I'm not expecting a significant accelerated sell-off, but we can rotate south here over the next 3 to 5 months back into the 4500 area. And that's all I've got this week, Michelle. Thanks much.
1: Hey, thanks so much. It's been an impressive run there in the S and P 500 index. Thanks for sharing that, Uh, Kerry Artek, Artek Advisory, again joining us with today's chart perspective.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, just checking in with that uh, the outside markets have been a big topic of conversation. Still up a buck sixty seventy five hundred one in that February uh, WTI. From there, we're you know call it seventy bucks and a half up just shy of a buck and a half on the day. But yeah, the the stock indices, the Dow up 138, the S&P 500 up 14 and a quarter, uh, NASDAQ up 32 points at uh, and five. Uh, it's an impressive run in the stock market going on right now. It, it'd be nice to see some of that money come over into commodities. I'm not sure what that catalyst is, Michelle.
1: Well, as you heard, Arlen, or Arlen, Alan, talk about money as being, basically pulled over into what's performing the best. And so right. until, we, until we start seeing some inflationary fears coming back into the marketplace, you yeah. probably won't see commodities as the hot buy. Usually grains, especially the fund traders buy as a hedge against inflation. And so that's why we've been seeing kind of this exodus of money away mm-hmm. from especially the grain sector here in the ags the last almost 18 months now.
2: Well, and we've been here. We've been critical about uh, the Fed and how they just they they seem to telegraph their passes. You know what I mean? They tell us, "Oh, well, we're looking ahead to maybe three to four rate cuts or whatever that that number might be." We've argued that what the what the market really needs is a good shocker. You know, don't be yeah. telegraphing this stuff to us. Let's give the market you know, it's it's due, and then maybe we can correct appropriately in response. Uh, I don't know yeah I kind of felt like just
1: rip the band-aid off and get it done yes you know
2: exactly Um, real quick National Weather Service uh, if I can just bust in right quick 60 temperature outlook above normal temperatures expected the hottest temperatures it looks like in a line there's a little bubble that extends right down to Rochester Minnesota and up from there uh, pretty much everybody except for the uh, southern tip of Florida Expected above normal temperatures, uh, below normal precip in the six to ten days. Similar deal above normal temperatures, but we do get more precip uh, heading clear from California out to no, uh, to Illinois in the eight to fourteen day. Michelle Rook, over to you.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, tomorrow morning, joining us for Agri Talk, Ethan Lane, NCBA, Bill Even, National Port Board, and Kurt Kavoric with uh, Clean Fields America will be joining us. And tomorrow afternoon, we'll have Dave Chatterton with Strategic Farm Marketing. Thanks for joining us here for AgriTalk.